0: I will call upon you to do a service
1: for me Play the Godfather Now at Chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family
0: VGW Group, no purchase necessary where prohibited by law See terms and conditions, 18 plus The LSU Tigers LSU wins the BCS Porter, Talking about One team, one heartbeat The New Orleans Pelicans
1: Select Zion Williamson And on Mardi Gras About to break out here. Talk about my name Pitt was waiting who
0: this is the Chris Gordy show mm-hmm.
1: our number two the Chris Gordy show underway sports 1280 New Orleans Sorry, I was a little distracted during the break. I was watching the uh, the LSU video again on Joe Burrow. <laughs> Probably watched it at least a dozen times. If you missed that, it came out uh, over the weekend. But it's basically a hype video about Joe Burrow for the Heisman. Voiced by Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. And featuring some music by Boosie, the rapper. So... Nothing cooler than that, and I think we all know. Somebody pointed out to me this morning the Heisman odds for Joe Burrow to win it are just ridiculous at this point. Like you would have to bet, like whatever it was, like ten thousand dollars to win a hundred or something stupid like that. It's I mean he's going to win it, and it's going to be awesome. And LSU will finally have a second Heisman Trophy winner in its history. Never thought it'd be a quarterback though. Always thought it'd be like a running back or a DB. Never thought we'd see the day where an LSU quarterback would win the Heisman, but here we are. Uh, It's Chris Gordy show, Sports 1280 New Orleans. Every Tuesday around this time, we catch up with our buddy Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast and uh, AllSaintsConsidered.com to talk all things Saints. And Well, Ross, I, I thought we would be under some better circumstances here. Saints did everything they could to win that game on Sunday. Just sucks for them to lose it the way they did. Hey, do we have a?
0: Uh, Hey, there I am. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks as always for having me back. Of course, always glad to be here. Yeah, man, that was a disappointing one. I mean, it's one of those situations where when your offense scores forty six, you expect to win, but when your defense gives up forty eight, it's kind of hard to pull off a victory in that situation.
1: Yeah, it's uh, and and look, I I said it earlier, and I I said it during the game. When, When you when the game's playing out that way, and it's a shootout. I, when Traquan catches that ball, part of me was kinda like, just go down at the one. <laughs> you know, make them burn their timeouts and, and punch it in. But I understand you can't play that way. You gotta go take the lead and go get the touchdown. But even when they scored, I said, Oh no, we left them a minute and they got all three timeouts. This isn't good.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's it's tough. And I, I understand very much people that are um that, you know, make that point in that uh, you know, talk about Traquan should have gone down and things like that. But you also saw you know, the Saints not able to punch it in from one yard out on a two point conversion earlier in the game. You also saw right after that touchdown they were unable to punch it in from two yards out. And so not a lot of evidence that had Traquan gone down that they would have been guaranteed a touchdown. Um Sean Payton talked about that after the game too and mentioned that, you know, when it's a field goal that you're trying to score, that's an easy choice to make. But when it's a touchdown, you have to kind of take the score when you get it. So um, I, I could see it both ways totally and, and entirely, but I don't blame Traequan for saying, hey, I have a chance to score here and put my team ahead, so I'm going to take this touchdown uh, and get into the end zone. And then it really just kind of came down to uh, the defense at the end that almost held up, just got down to that fourth and two, and they were almost there. And then, uh, you know, the the George Kittle play, the johnson Gardner johnson missed tackle and so on and so forth, face mask. Uh, just defense really just couldn't couldn't pull this one out and couldn't get this one uh couldn't get this one for drew
1: yeah I want to dissect that play real quick because again I, it, it feels like the 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 mantra right there needs to be keep everything in front of you you know what I mean mm-hmm. it, where it's like just don't let a guy get behind you don't don't give up a big chunk play and I know what CJ's thinking there he's thinking man if I can ma- di- make this diving tackle maybe he's short of the short of the first down it's fourth down already if, if I make the stop here it's game over I know that's what you're thinking but man it's it, it it's the smarter plays to make the sure tackle yeah if you get up the first down no big deal you know let's let's live the fight another day but man you whiff on that tackle and there's no help behind you it's it just I mean that was it right there
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, converting a fourth, uh, allowing a conversion of a fourth and two for a three yard pass is much, much more manageable and far less, uh, you know, sucks the energy out of the room a lot less than what did happen. And I I completely get it. You know, he's a a rookie out there trying to make a big play. Uh, And, yeah, honestly, I'm not even going to make the excuse for him that he's a rookie because even he himself is holding himself accountable uh, for that. But, I mean, he is matched up with one of the, the better. Players in the league when it comes to yards after catch, not even just in his position, but just period. Um, And so uh, this is a guy that's always been hard to tackle, always been hard to take down after he gets the ball in his hand, but uh, in in George Kittle. But, you know, I I see the play that Chauncey Gardner Johnson is trying to make there, but I do think that this was, and I, you know, now moving forward, that is a different uh, decision uh, that he'll be making in the future for certain.
1: So I heard Sean Payton yesterday talking with the media, and he said, We have got to be better at the safety position, and not just that, the deep safety position. Kind of taking a shot at Marcus Williams saying, um, he's had moments this year We he has not been very good. Where are we on this defense right now? Because we know how good the pass rush has been up front. We know they were without two. They're starting linebackers on Sunday, so that hurt. Uh, but, man, they were going after Eli Apple a lot on Sunday, and, and he was proven to be a little bit of a liability. Where are you on this defense right
0: now? Um, I mean, for me at this point, I'm waiting to see how they perform coming out of this game, if that makes sense. Uh, Look, we've seen this defense play very, very well for, you know, 10, 10, 11 games the season. And then, you know, they've had a couple of games where they've given up more than you would expect, particularly this game, of course. I mean, you have a uh, defense that goes out there and has held, you know, teams to no touchdowns, has held teams to under 250 yards four times, five times in a row but then you come out at the end of this game and then you give up 48 points, but you're also down two linebackers, which immediately translates to what Jimmy Garoppolo was able to do, completing 12 passes over the middle and having almost a perf- actually a perfect passer rating in the intermediate realm over the middle, which is his favorite place to go. He goes there 72% of the time over the middle and intermediate routes. And so when you don't have linebackers out there that are your guys that are your usual communicators that know the defense and that are out there week in and week out, that definitely makes a big, Uh, uh, that definitely makes a big impact on your team. Uh, So I look at that as being uh, a part of it. I look at the lack of pass rush as being something that, of course, let Jimmy Garoppolo be comfortable, but that also was of detriment to the secondary. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was under pressure 10 times in this game, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, If you you like those numbers or not, uh, still, that's not a good amount of pressure. That's not the amount of pressure you want to get there. They got three sacks on him. But you still have to be a little bit more consistent. And there was a lack of consistency in the pass rush there. And the secondary definitely struggled for it. And the secondary also struggled for their own. And it did I love the fact that um, Sean Payton called out the playing better at deep safety. He also called out playing better at the corner, saying that they got beat on that they got beat off the line of scrimmage. He also mentioned that uh, the pass rush has to be better. And so he's done the thing that I've liked about the way that Sean Payton has really uh, sort of tackled this so far is that he's willing to say this is where we struggled. These are the positions that need – these are the groups that need to perform better so that we don't have another, quote-unquote, performance like this. Um, and so I'm interested to see how it is that they rebound uh, going into next week, which, of course, is a much lesser offense than what San Francisco brings. But having a big home game prime time to come off of a game like this is going to be pretty beneficial for New Orleans. So I'm interested to see how they bounce back uh, in terms of what they did wrong is one thing, but what they do next is another.
1: The the positives. Uh some people in recent weeks have been questioning Drew Brees. Um, you know, obviously there's always been there's been the talk of the not having the deep ball and is he the same quarterback? And let's be real. I mean, some of the performances since he's since he's come back as the starter haven't been eye popping. I thought Sunday they were eye popping. I thought he had a fantastic day, uh three hundred and fifty yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and no sacks, and that's with the offensive line being banged up. Uh, I, I think I agree with Jeff Duncan when his takeaway was, "Hey, I, I came away a- encouraged by what we saw to the offense and Drew Brees, and uh, that gives me encouragement for knowing that that he's just fine for the postseason, being a couple weeks away."
0: Yeah, I mean, on the offensive side, you you should feel good about this game. I know that there are a lot of people that are concerned about. Alvin Kamara, and I get that. I mean, yes, production-wise and everything in terms of his numbers, there's a clear delineation between where he was earlier in the season and where he is right now. Uh, Deuce Windham did a really great job breaking that down on Twitter this morning. Uh, but outside of that, when you look at what this offense did for New Orleans and the way that they plugged, this is the offense that everyone's been waiting for all season. The offense that can come out and do what they did last year to where they scored over 40 points, what, four or five times last year? Right. Uh, they did it a ton of times last year and so this is the offense that they've been looking for it's there um, hopefully Jared Cook is able to make it back sooner rather than later out of concussion protocol because he was such a big part of that and a huge spark plug for this offense and so when you look back at this game you look at the positives of what Latavius Murray was able to do in the run game what Drew Brees was able to do in the passing game what Alvin Kamara was able to do uh toward the second half of the game what uh Deontay Harris did as a returner as well. There's still a lot of positives to take from this game. Now it's just about we're still dealing in hypotheticals when we talk about the Saints team, you know, putting together their best game, but now you've seen that there are all the tools there because there's the defense we've seen we've seen pretty much all season and the offense that we're now starting to see. If they can put those two together, then they're a dangerous team going into the playoffs.
1: What was the thought on the fake punt? I mean it's it's fourth and eighteen basically at midfield. Are they, is the thought there, we're hoping to complete this pass? Is the thought we're hoping to draw a penalty? It just seems like, man, fourth and five, I get it, but fourth and 18 just seems like the, 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 the cards are not in your favor that that's going to be either a completion or as we came to find out. And I'll admit, I didn't know the rule. I didn't know you, you couldn't call pass interference on a, on a gunner running down on a punt, uh, on a fake punt. I didn't know the rule.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't know that either. Especially considering that just a couple of weeks ago we saw that exact penalty called uh, in a different game, and so there wasn't really a precedent for me to understand that ruling at that moment. But uh, you know, but in terms of the call altogether, I I think the idea was probably to try to draw was probably trying to draw a holding penalty if nothing else um, for that, just to help get the automatic first down off of that. But uh, like you said, I mean, when you have something that's you know a fourth and eighteen. I don't know that you're looking to complete that pass. I think you are trying to draw a penalty because otherwise you have a very, very slim opportunity to really convert that, particularly on, you know, a fake punt. Uh, You're just, I don't know. It it, it was an odd call to me, but if the idea was to try to draw the penalty, then uh, I guess that that makes sense, but not necessarily a move that I would like to see happen again.
1: What did you make of the two point conversion? I, I brought up earlier that, um, Look, you know the it's so early in that game you don't know how it's going to play out. But San Francisco gets the penalty, you get the ball to one. Hey, why not? Let's try to get the two points here instead of the one. Now, in hindsight, had you known this thing was going to be a shootout it was going to be back and forth, yeah, that one point make you know made a lot of difference late. But I, I thought at the time I didn't have as big of a problem with it.
0: Yeah, I think in the moment you feel nervous about it just because you've seen game situations play out before and other scenarios, but really all you're doing then is trying to apply something that's irrelevant to make it relevant, right? So in that case, when you, you can't really make a decision based on what might happen. And so if you have the opportunity to go for two on the one-yard line and you have a play that you like or you see something in the defense that you know that you like, we've watched them at that point move the ball with no problem so you figure... You know, for Sean, he probably felt really good about a play that he had, the play that he had called up there with Mario Edwards Jr. in the backfield and then trying to get Taysom Hill around the edge. Uh, But as he mentioned, it looked like a safety was misaligned. He had a safety on the wrong side of the ball, and that made all the difference because they weren't able to get around, or rather San Francisco was able to get around the edge quicker than Taysom Hill was. And so with that being the case, it didn't work out. But I didn't mind the play call as much in the moment. Of course, you can look at it when it fails, and then you can say, oh, well, that's going to come back to bite them in the butt. But... I mean, but then if you if you convert it, then you're just talking about it in a different way. You know what I mean? And so it, 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 it's tougher to look at in the moment uh, accurately, but I understand exactly why it happened. You have an opportunity there to go for it with you know, only one yard. There was no reason to believe that they couldn't move it. I might have tried to go right up the middle as opposed to around the edge and try to set the corner, but they felt good about the play that they had. It just didn't work out. <laughs>
1: Talking to the Ross Jackson Locked on Saints uh, podcast. Uh, of course, uh, Ross does those uh, every week, and you can catch him wherever you could find uh, wherever you find podcasts, even uh, Locked on LockedOnSaints.com. Um, the Indianapolis Colts coming in here for a Monday night showdown. And Look, I know uh, when they scheduled this in the offseason, they were thinking, man, late in the year, Andrew Luck versus Drew Brees might be Brees' last home game in the Superdome and all this stuff. Well, a lot has changed. Andrew Luck left the league. Uh, this may, in fact, not be Drew Brees' last game in the Dome. And, uh, of course, the Colts are kind of struggling right now. They've lost three straight. They're six and seven with the Texans and the Titans red hot or, or at eight and five. Uh, basically, the Colts' playoff chances are on life support. They lose this when they're basically done. Um, so the Saints need to smell blood in the water. They need to come out, and this is a game they have to have. Uh, just a quick thought on the game next Monday night.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a game that I remember looking at before the season and going, wow, that might be a, that, that would be an interesting Super Bowl preview to see those two teams back in the Super Bowl ten years later, and now that's just simply not going to be the case. Uh, but uh, this is a game that I'm interested the most in just seeing. I'm, I'm most interested in seeing what New Orleans does as opposed to how they match up with Indianapolis, if that makes sense. This is a game to where, like I mentioned, uh, particularly over on the defensive side, I'm more interested to see how this defense bounces back from this game than I think I have been uh, in terms of seeing how they bounce back off of a poor performance. I'm more interested in that for this game than I was this team coming off of the, uh, the, the loss to the, the 26-9 loss to the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons at home. So this is a game that I'm really, really interested in. I'm really interested to see how they, how they bounce back, what they do next, how they come out of you know, a, a game like this also interested in seeing some of these injuries you know that the Saints had this past sunday Marcus Davenport Tron Armstead, was in a boot his ankle was wrapped uh, but he seemed pretty you know positive about everything uh, it, just really interested to see how this team comes back and formulates uh, a victory in this game and what they what it looks like you know it, Let's not forget that the Saints want to beat the Colts sixty two to seven at one point. I don't know that we're gonna see that, but I definitely see the Saints using this as a big time rebound game as a means to make a statement because their best option from this point moving forward the rest of the season is to win out and then they'll need some help in order to get back up to that number two seed or potentially even back to the number one seed. Seattle's already started to help them out with that, taking a loss Sunday night. But uh, you know, for the Saints, their their MO and their focus needs to be winning out and they need to start it on Monday night.
1: See, I'm thinking, Ross, and and there's been a lot of discussion on who do we root for and what do we want to happen. I've basically said this. I think the Saints, uh, with how they performed against the Niners on Sunday, I think they can win a playoff game in Santa Clara. I'm not afraid of that. And look, the weather's going to be in like the 60s or whatever. Like, I think they can win there. It's going to Green Bay or going to Seattle in January that scare the hell out of me. I know the Saints won in Seattle already this year with Teddy, but... I'd rather not take my chances. So, look, if there's a way for the 49ers to be the one seed and the Saints to be the two, I would be okay with that because, look, we want the Saints to at least be the two and get the bye. Uh, but we got to root for the Packers to lose another game here. Is that kind of your thinking as well?
0: Yeah, that's exactly, exactly where I am, too. If the Saints can finish with the number one seed and uh, you know the Seattle San Francisco game later on this year, week 17, ends in a San Francisco win and they take the number one seed, I'm perfectly happy with that. You do need Green Bay to lose. Another game, but they do have a tough game against Chicago, and then another tough game right after at um, at Minnesota. And so there's the opportunity for them to lose there, and then that would get um, that would get New Orleans the opportunity to move up to the number one, the number two seed, excuse me. And then, and in that case, the worst case scenario is that for the NFC Championship, they're traveling to Santa Clara, like you mentioned, as opposed to uh, Seattle or Green Bay. So that's a great, great, great scenario for them. And then, of course, there's also the opportunity. We don't know, but if San Francisco were to drop their game as the number one seed in the uh, in the divisional round, then the Saints still host their NFC Championship game because they'd be the highest seeded team. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. But I'm perfectly comfortable with the Saints being at number two and San Francisco being at number one going into the playoffs.
1: It's just tough, right? Because we know the numbers. Because prior to this past January, the Saints had not lost a home playoff game in the dome under Sean Payton. And prior to a couple years ago, when they went up to Philly and won that game, they had never won a road playoff game under Sean Payton. So there's there's those tough those two tough little things we look at there, but. Uh well, I, there's nothing we can really do about it at this point other than hope the cards fall in your favor. But, uh, yep. man, that's why that loss stings just that much more uh, from Sunday. Let our uh, listeners know where they can find all your stuff and what you got up at uh, Locked on Saints on the podcast.
0: Yeah, Thank you, man. Thank you, as always, for having me here. Always a pleasure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Check out the write-up server at com. You can find the podcast, Locked on Saints, uh, every single day, about 20, 25 minutes to get you through your daily commute. Looking for something Saints related to listen to? You can check it out um, on any of your favorite podcast platforms: uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is that you use. You can find it there.
1: Ross, you're the best man. Thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely, my
0: brother. You take care. Uh, be well this week.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Ross Jackson there, locked on Saints podcast. All Saints considered. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Does a tremendous job uh, covering all things Saints. We need to grab a break. When we come back. We'll get to your uh, phone calls, 260-1280, 504-260-1280. I got a couple emails uh, that you guys sent in, also some uh, some tweets as well. We'll get to all those next. It's Chris Gordon show. Stay with us. New beginning.
0: Lead feed for Thompson. A two-handed finish. A clear vision. James has facing Rainbow, rainbows a three. Switch. I tell her scoop. Yes, and the foul. Something to prove.
1: I don't care who we play. We can't be great on the road. We can't be great other places unless you're great here.
0: Ride the wave all season long on your home for Green Wave Basketball. Sports 1280, New Orleans. plus.